Welcome everyone to Prairie Duck Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth. This program is supported by donations to the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Richard Holmes. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. As we shared last week, our beloved Prairie Doc, Dr. Holmes, passed away, and we all continue to reflect on his life and the wisdom he shared with all of us. He is greatly missed. He continues to inspire us to fulfill his lifelong mission and the mission of the Healing Words Foundation to provide medical information to the public. As we shared last week, shortly after his diagnosis of pancreatic cancer, Rick and Joni, co-founders of the Healing Words Foundation, established a plan to continue their legacy of service. Rick and Joni took steps to assure that the work of the Prairie Dock will go on. They have built a wonderful team of board members, volunteers, and staff. Board physicians from Brookings have agreed to take on the role of hosting Prairie Dock radio and television programs as well as authoring the weekly newspaper essays. Rick wanted everyone to know that while he originally developed the Prairie Doc program and had been known by many as the Prairie Doc, he felt he was always surrounded by a team of Prairie Docs. So the Prairie Doc team is doing our best to honor Dr. Holmes' legacy, both as we grieve and face a pandemic. These are unique times, and in his honor, we press on to learn more, to look to the science, and to provide the public medical information. With us today is Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth. Dr. Ellsworth's specialty is family medicine. He works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Welcome, Dr. Ellsworth. Good morning, Laura. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit about how you got to know Dr. Holmes and became involved with the Prairie Doc program? Yeah, I was familiar with him a tiny bit even when I was fairly young, when I was uh, uh, in a Prairie Rep theater production here in Brookings. Even though I was from Madison, I came up to be in The Music Man, and his son was in it as well. So we were uh, lifelong friends through that uh, with his, his son and I, Eric. And uh, um, and then uh, when we were looking at places to come practice after residency, we looked at Brookings, and and um, Rick and Joni sent us a really nice message. In fact, I just found that recently, and that was sure special to reread that, how kind they were reaching out to us even right after interviewing and uh, inviting us to Brookings and, and hoping we come. And we did. And, and then they welcomed us with open arms and, and invited us to their home before, and and uh, I, we got involved in, in his choir early on, singing singing to hospice patients. Um, we shared a lot of the same passions. Uh, we we love we both love variety and, and and people, and the arts and music, and teaching. Both of us, Dr. Holm and I, often had medical students with us, and uh, we both share a passion for what we're doing right now, uh, helping to, to educate the public and uh, just to, to spread 
uh, uh, you know, hope and, and good medical information to, to people. Um, and so uh, there was just a lot of similar passions. We, we, our practice styles were similar. We liked to, to be able to do things for our patients and not just refer them on to several people. And so he helped pave the way for a lot of things here in Brookings for me, even just in doing procedures, like he did colonoscopies and, and, and uh, that made it easier for me to, since I had privileges and I had done the work and training to get trained for colonoscopies and ETD, so I do it for my patients as well. And, and it's just, I, I liked being able to take care of the whole person. Of course, anyone in, in family medicine and primary care does that. And, and so we shared a lot of those same passions. And uh, it, you know, the biggest thing I'd say from him that I've learned is, is how um, that patient-physician relationship uh, built over time with, with trust and care uh, is so important and so powerful. That's just listening to your patients. Even if you don't have a cure for them, just being able to listen and be there for them is, is, is a very wonderful thing. And how did you um, end up getting involved with Prairie Doc programs now? Oh, you know, you, some, you gotta be careful if, if you make eye contact, because he might ask you to be on <laughs> his show. And so I was on his show early on, and, and then uh, uh, a few times here and there, and then uh, as as he, um, you know, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, he was looking for people to fill in once in a while as needed, and he, he had asked me to, to do that and be on, on the team of docs doing that, and uh, I was I was happy to happy to help. Um, he certainly made it clear numerous times that he wanted this to continue, and uh, so um, you know I'm glad we've got a team of us to do that because those are big shoes to fill. But it's been it's it's been uh, a, a great experience too. And so, and so I'm hosting the show uh, tomorrow uh, on Thursday at 7 o'clock on South Dakota Public TV. Uh, our topic is Lessons from Pandemics Past. Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, well, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. And um, just I just want to reiterate, too, that we're so grateful to Dr. Holm and Joni and, um, and Joan Hogan and KBRK for growing this Prairie Doc program into this service for our community and our listeners. So we'll be taking our first break shortly, and when we return, Dr. Ellsworth and I will be happy to answer any medical questions you may have. If you have a medical question you would like us to address, give us a call at 605-692-1430. By living a healthy lifestyle, you can lower your risk for heart disease and heart attack. A healthy lifestyle includes the following. Eating a healthy diet, maintaining a healthy weight, getting enough physical activity, not smoking or using other forms of tobacco, and limiting alcohol use. All the providers at the Avera Medical Group Brookings hope you will follow these guidelines. For more information on a healthy heart, speak with your provider at 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. 
Before our break, we are discussing um, the legacy of Dr. Richard Holm and how it's an honor for us to be part of that. And we're going to spend some time today talking about COVID-19 and the latest developments in our community. And we're going to spend some time looking back at history to see how other pandemics transpired. And of course, we want to answer your medical questions, so do give us a call if you would like us to address anything, 605-692-1430. So first, Dr. Ellsworth, let's talk about um, COVID-19 in our area. Uh, What has it been like for you and your colleagues these last few weeks? Well, we've been doing a lot of planning. It's not like the clinic is busy, swamped with people sick because for one thing, we're, we're, we're trying to avoid that because mm-hmm. that would just help spread the virus. That's what the virus wants is us to all gather together and get together, especially if we're not feeling well. Uh, so uh, for the most part, if you're having some symptoms, especially if they're, they're mild, we really encourage people to continue to stay home. Now, obviously, if you're concerned or wondering, feel free to give us a call. Give, give us a call at the clinic, and we can talk you, talk you through things. Um, but, uh, but for the most part, we want to have everyone stay home still. And, and it's tough, and it's hard financially, and it's impacting us financially, too. You know, our halls are, are pretty bare here at the clinic right now, and, and that's a good thing. Uh, but it doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't uh, pay our staff. But, but obviously, there's so many businesses that are suffering right now, too. Um, but if we weren't doing this and everyone was all sick at once, all the businesses would be suffering, too. Unfortunately. So economically, it's going to be best for us all to, to defeat this virus, and this is the best way we can do it right now. As care providers and as a clinic, you've made some big changes um, here. What are some of those things you've done to help protect the public? So, yeah, we were one of the first in the region to t- start a curbside testing clinic, and now we've evolved uh, to really changing our model. So instead of each provider seeing their set of patients, whether they're sick or healthy or anything, which is nice. It's nice having that continuity of care, and so you see the doctor that you know and trust. But we could risk then all the doctors and nurses getting sick at once, too, and we want patients to stay home as best they can. So we've really switched to a next level here where we're encouraging people to only come for those urgent things that can't wait. And if it's a blood pressure check or a diabetes check or some routine preventative stuff, we've canceled those. Mm -hmm. And we're encouraging those not to happen at this time. And uh, we've split up into rotations of doctors. Some doctors are seeing patients, anyone's patient, if they're having an urgent need and they don't have respiratory symptoms. Other doctors in a different area of the clinic are seeing patients that have some sort of respiratory symptom or some symptom that could be consistent with COVID-19. Another set of patient doctors are, are doing the call in the hospital at night for the admissions and, and people that are coming into the hospital. Another set of patients, another set of doctors actually are uh, taking a week of vacation. I wasn't planning on taking a week <laughs> of vacation in April, but later this month, I, that's just the way we're going to do it. Uh, because then if I'm at home, I'm not at risk of getting sick. And then after I've been at home for a full week, then that last week, um, 
rotation is taking care of newborns and being there for C-sections and, and, and babies. And, and, and once again, all this is to decrease the risk of, 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 of spread and uh, just trying to do what we can to keep our community healthy. I, I might add that, you know, I, I, the symptoms of COVID-19, some of the biggest three are shortness of breath and fever and cough, uh, but there's a whole host of other symptoms too. It can have some GI symptoms, whether that's diarrhea or stomach upset, uh, whether it's uh, trouble tasting or smelling, which could happen with any cold, to any mild cold symptoms. And there could be a quarter of the people, 25% that are carrying it and spreading it and aren't having any symptoms at all. And unfortunately, that's where this this is, is can be hard to manage and why we're, we're encouraging people to continue to practice um, self-isolation and, and uh, um, social distancing. Um, so testing has been changing and evolving. Um, there's becoming, more tests are becoming available. Is testing looking different here in Brookings at this time um, for who gets tested or who doesn't? Or? I, I think there is progress being made there, but at this time we still are pretty limited. Okay. And meanwhile, we don't need everyone all coming in to get tested. And, and then if you didn't have it, now you have it because you were near other people that maybe did have it. So we're encouraging people to mostly stay home still. Call ahead if you want. You can call us at, 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 uh, at the clinic or I believe... 211, are they taking calls yet? Um, they're doing some listening. And yes, if, you, if you're if you a patient here at the clinic, though, you probably just want to call 697 the clinic and um, they'll talk it through with you. If you're wondering if you should come in for testing or not, just call and they can help um, talk that through to see if that is a good option for you or if um, it's better for you to just stay at home. We're more likely to test people if they're 65 and older if they've got pre-existing conditions such as heart disease, lung disease, diabetes, cancer, on um, a medication that, that hurts the immune system would make them immunocompromised, or if they're pregnant, um, if you've had close contact with someone who has confirmed COVID-19, or if you've traveled in the last 14 days, especially by air. Um, and of course, at, the, at the, this point, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of anywhere. So the travel is isn't as relevant, but it still it still matters for sure. Mm -hmm. Very good. And just uh, want to touch on too. Um, many of us have been staying home for a while now, two to three weeks. Um, do you feel like this is working, Dr. Ellsworth? Um, do we? What are you? What are your thoughts on that? I think it is working. You know, it, unfortunately, if it works really well then we'll all feel like nothing's happening. And that's mm -hmm. that's what we want. And in Brookings right now, you know, the hospitals and the clinics, there's not many people around. I saw the other day, I think there were four people in the hospital. Um, and so that's really good. That's good. We've still just uh, uh, had the one uh, case that's been reported in Brookings. Um, there certainly could be more. And, and I guarantee you there probably are more that we don't know about. Um, that haven't been tested, uh, and and we'll just have to uh, continue this for now. You know, the more time we buy ourselves, the less chance we're overrunning our system. Because you know, if, if the hospital is full of patients with COVID, well, then what happens if you come in needing 
surgery or needing or having a heart attack? How are we going to be able to take care of you if all the beds are full? You know, and so that's why we, it, it, it's not, it just doesn't, we're not just worried about people getting sick from COVID. There's all the other things people could get sick from still, mm -hmm. as always, and why we can't have everyone all getting sick at once. And, uh, and so the, the, and the longer we wait, the better chance that we can find what medications are helpful, the more we can produce treatments, the more we can find out what works and what doesn't work, um, the, and the better chance at getting to a vaccine eventually, too. We had a call come in. Um, the question is, is it still safe for people in their mid-70s to go to Hy-Vee for groceries? You know, a person does need to eat. It's, yeah. it's, it is bad for your body, you know, a better chance of getting sick if you're not eating. Yeah. And so if you need to go get food, then you need to go get food. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, the, the CDC right now is weighing whether they recommend people having masks. We don't want people to hoard masks or we'd run out of masks. Mm -hmm. But if you've ever been to the clinic or been somewhere and you had a mask, keep that mask. Don't just throw it away. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe, maybe you could wear it. You know, it's, 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 they, we know for sure they help more if a person is carrying it from spreading it, right. wearing the mask. But since you could maybe spread it without knowing it, more people are wearing masks, the, probably the better. Okay. Um, but we don't want people to start hoarding them, and then we'd run out, and then we'd really be in trouble. Um, but uh, could, could you get sick from going there? Yeah, if you came up in contact with someone else who was sick. You know, I'd call ahead and see if they've got a, a period of time where it's only open to people 65 and older. Mm -hmm. um, that might be a nicer time to go or certainly a time to go when it's less busy. Now, their hours have changed, so, so you might want to make sure they're going to be open when you're thinking about going. Try to limit your trips. You know, if you're going there one day and then you decide, oh, two days later you need something else. But if you're going every two days, you're going there too often. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you need to hoard a whole bunch of stuff at once. But, you know, do some planning. Mm -hmm. Do some meal planning and what do you need and what, how, how long can this last you. Um, you know, there's not a shortage of things, uh, of food. And, but if people start hoarding, it could be a problem. So we, we you know, just like with the toilet paper, there's not a more demand for toilet paper. Toilet paper doesn't protect people from COVID. Mm -hmm. And we don't have more people using toilet paper than we ever used to. Mm -hmm. So if everyone just bought what they need, we'd be okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I have been very impressed with Hy-Vee's efforts. Um, and I don't know them off the top of my head, but I do understand there's certain hours um, for um, older individuals or people who are at a higher risk to go get their groceries. Um, and they offer also offer options for you to pick up your groceries, so you don't even need to go into the store. So um, if you're concerned, those might be options to explore. Um, and, of course, clean our hands all the time. Yeah, wash your hands all the way lot. through, right? Right. Yes. All right. Well, it's time for us to take our next break. Uh, if you have other questions you'd like to have us address, give us a call at 605-692-1430. The American Academy of Pediatrics has issued media guidelines for preschoolers that are helpful for parents and grandparents. Under the age of two, media should be very limited and only used when adults are standing by to co-view, talk, and teach. For example, video chatting with family along with their parents.
For children 18 to 24 months, if you want to introduce digital media, choose high quality programming and use media together with your child. For children aged two to five, limit screen time to no more than one hour per day. Find other activities for your children to do that are healthy for their bodies and mind. Choose media that is interactive, nonviolent, educational, and pro-social. If you have questions about social media for children, speak with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to discuss your medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. This Thursday, April 2nd, the show topic is Lessons from Pandemics Past, a Prairie Doc Special Edition on South Dakota Public Television at 7 p.m. Uh, Dr. Ellsworth, you'll be hosting tomorrow night's show, and your guest will be our current state epidemiologist, Joshua Clayton, and our former state epidemiologist, Lon Keitlinger. These are two familiar guests to the Prairie Doc program. Could you tell us a little bit more about what you plan to cover in tomorrow night's show? Yeah, you know, this isn't the first pandemic ever and, and, or and epidemic, and, uh, and so we're, we, we want to look back at past epidemic uh, diseases and and what can we learn from those situations? What what was helpful? What did we do? What did we do a hundred years ago for the 1918 flu pandemic? What about just 10 years ago with the H1N1 uh, epidemic? And uh, what were what things helped? What, why why didn't those become? Why didn't 10 years ago become as big of a deal? It seems as it does this year. Was it was it worse? Was it better? We want to talk about those things. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about H1N1. That's kind of our most recent um, situation. Uh, what is the history of H1N1? H1N1 was a strain of influenza that arose that, you know, actually is, was, was had an ancestor of that 1918 pandemic. And, and both of those were a big deal because a lot of people didn't have immunity at all. And our vaccine didn't have coverage for it. Okay. It hadn't, it kind of, it had come in 1918 and kept coming every year for a while, but then kind of disappeared or so around 1957. And so it wasn't circulating again. And then until 10 years ago, 2009. And, um, and so that did impact people's travel. And, and, uh, well, Laura and I, I, we were, I was just finishing up I graduated from medical school, and we were planning on going to Mexico for a little vacation afterwards before residency, and it, they canceled our flight because because right. it was down in Mexico. And then when I was in residence, so that was that first initial wave in the spring, and then the fall of '09, I was in residency and training in Boise, Idaho, and uh, I was working at a VA hospital on a rotation and my own clinic had gotten the vaccine. They did produce a vaccine then and I got the vaccine, but the other team of doctors I was working with, they didn't get the vaccine yet. They didn't have access to it. And they all got sick with confirmed H1N1 and couldn't work and got pretty sick. And so I was there left to take care of all the, a lot of the patients myself alone on, on our team. Uh, and so that kind of showed me how the vaccine is helpful, but that's just another example of why H1N1 
didn't reach this proportion right now because we were able to come with the vaccine. We did have some medications that could help. We did know what we were dealing with, influenza. Also, there was some lasting immunity that um, older folks had that had been exposed to influenza prior to 1957. And so some of our older members of the community did have some immunity for it, too, and that was helpful. And in the end, H1N1's uh, mortality rate ended up being uh, even a little bit lower than um, than a, even a, a typical influenza season. The numbers were higher, but the, the overall percentage of mortality was a little bit lower than normal, so thankfully that one didn't end up being as bad as we thought maybe it was going to be. But it, it just goes to show that, you, you know, each pandemic has its own unique challenges. And so we hope to cover some of that in in the show tonight and, and right. talk uh, tomorrow right. night and talk about talk about those things. Right. Um, so what, were, what are some things that are similar and different between H1N1 and COVID-19? Well, you know, influenza, H1N1 was an influenza. So you think of the annual flu that happens every year. And it's not any small thing. I mean, uh, every year there's some t there can be 100,000 to even up to some years 500,000 people dying in the U.S. from from influenza. Usually it hits you like a ton of bricks. It starts all at once with the fevers and chills and muscle aches and cough and and all those flu symptoms. Sometimes some GI symptoms, uh, you know, shortness of breath. And then uh, um, whereas the COVID tends to start more slowly where you have milder symptoms at first uh, if you have symptoms and uh, and you think, oh, well, this, oh, this shouldn't be so bad, and hopefully it won't be, and a very and a good chance it won't be. But then some of these people uh, a week later then are, are needing respiratory support and are on a ventilator. And so, you know, where maybe it just had a sore throat at first or a minor cough or a little short of breath, and, and unfortunately sometimes it gets worse then. Gotcha. All right, well, we need to take our final break, and we'll be back following these words from Avera Medical Group Brookings. Millions of people in the United States are not getting screened for colorectal cancer as recommended. They are missing the chance to prevent colorectal cancer or to find it early when treatment often leads to a cure. The vast majority of new cases of colorectal cancer, about 90%, occur in people who are 50 or older. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommends screening beginning at age 50. If you think you may be at increased risk for colorectal cancer, learn your family history and ask your doctor if you should begin screening before age 50. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here talking about things related to COVID, um, COVID-19, looking at history of other pandemics and medical issues um, that our world has faced in the past. We had a question come in. Uh, is there any shortage of prescriptions coming in? If you need a prescription, should you go to your Avera chart or call the pharmacy? Should you get a one-month or three-month supply on hand just in case? Excellent questions as we yeah. uh, look into those things. Yeah. Uh, there have been a few shortages reported, some of that because uh, a lot of our 
medications are made in China or India or elsewhere in the world, and there can be some supply chain issues. Um, thankfully, it hasn't been too much of an issue here yet, but it, it you know it could could be come more so. Um, right now, we're following mostly the, the standard practice of first call your pharmacy. Maybe you got refills already on file, and they can fill it. Or if it's time for a refill, the pharmacy can call it. You can call your pharmacy, and the pharmacy will send over us an electronic request, and we'll send it right back to them, easy as can be. And in general, it's nice to do three month refills when we can. So if it's if you're normally doing three three month refills, we yeah, have continue to do that. Um, there's a few medications that they're doing research on to see if it's helpful for COVID. Um, just because of the rumors of those, there's been some people wanting to try to stockpile those medications, and other people need those all the time for various conditions like rheumatoid arthritis. And so we're, we're really, we're not, please don't call us to ask us to prescribe some medication that you heard might be helpful, especially if you're not having symptoms or if you're at home, where any of those were, those are just meant for someone that's really sick in the hospital. And even then, it's experimental, really, at this point, and, and could cause problems, too. And so we're not trying to hoard any of those medications. We need to save those for the people that, that need them and that are normally taking them. And uh, so get your refills like normal, and, uh, and, but, but just be, be smart about it. You're in patients will still be able to connect with their physicians, might not yeah. be able to come into the office. Um, and virtual appointments have yeah. been something that we've, that's starting now, too, and it's probably going to really grow in these next few weeks. Um, so that might also be an option for patients needing to. Yeah, if, if you've got the capability on your phone or computer to have a camera and audio, um, then we can do a virtual visit with you, and we can talk. you can see us and we can talk to each other and go through a visit, go through any medication questions you have, and uh, those are really taking off and very helpful, so you can call us and, and get set up for one of those so you don't need to come in physically to the clinic. All right, well, before we go, uh, please be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc, most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. This Thursday, April 2nd, the show topic is Lessons from Pandemic Past, sorry, Lessons from Pandemic's Past, a Prairie Doc Special Edition. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Ellsworth for joining us today and a special thanks to Bob and everyone at KBRK for supporting this program and helping us make it happen even as we practice social distancing. As a final note, stay home, listen to your radio, and read Dr. Holmes' book. As Dr. Holmes would say, stay healthy out there, people.